Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and I'm having a good week. This is, the, you know, it's been turning around. The, the Early in this year, you know, we were having some challenges, and everyone, of course, has walked through the same thing, but it's starting to turn around. We're feeling really good. Um, and getting back out there, man, just getting out and doing our thing. Um, a lot of companies that are, especially in manufacturing, have come through and done a lot of great work for, you know, for the world and for America right now. And today I have with me a guest who is an American manufacturer. Uh, he's got a pretty incredible story. I don't want to spoil the whole thing for you. So we're going to get right into an interview with Mr. Eric Lupton. Uh, Eric Lupton founded Lifesaver in 1997. And Lifesaver is really a pool safety company. And he has an incredible story about why that's so powerful and so important for him to make sure that every child in the entire planet is safe when they're around water and when they're around a pool. Um, and it goes so much further than that. But without any further ado, I want to welcome Eric to the show. Eric, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. Dude, I'm glad to have you. Now, I, I love that as soon as we start, I can hear the uh, the pipes drop in the background. So you're <laughs> from the Lifesaver Pool Fence Manufacturing uh, Hub. Can you tell me a little bit about, I don't know, actually just about the facility? Like, because you're making actual fences, you're manufacturing stuff. I don't have a lot of product manufacturers on the show. Um, so tell me about your layout. And I know you're in an inner sanctum office. What's that whole place like? Yeah, uh, so sorry about that noise. Yeah, we've been... No, manufacturing removable mesh pool safety fencing in South Florida for the last 30 years. And I can correct your, your bio a little bit. Uh, my parents actually started the company in 1987 and they started it in their garage when I was, um, you know, just a, a small wee child. And, you know, my dad had a paper route that he did at three o'clock in the morning and whatever money he made from that paper route was his marketing budget. And then uh, my mom would sew the mesh all night and then run the office during the day. So they started it from there and um, you know, they, uh, they retired from the business in 2002 and I took it over full time. I already been working here for you know, several years at that point. And so I took it over, you know, right around 2001, 2002 and, you know, and we've grown, you know, well over 10 times since, uh, since then. And that includes the, uh, the massive hit we took in the, the first, you know, the recession from 2008 there. Um, so we, you know, we crashed then we came back and, uh, you know, like I said, we're, you know, 10 times bigger than, than we started. Dude, that's incredible. 
Well, can you tell, tell me real quick then too? So, and, and I, didn't, I didn't see that there. I didn't know that you had taken over from your parents. Mm-hmm. What what was your approach when your parents were running this company and you're not involved yet, right? I'm sure you're involved in your life, but but not running anything. What was your mindset as a, kind of a second generation person? Did you think initially that you're going to get in this business and you wanted to, or did you think, hey, that's my parents' deal? Did you have other dreams? What was your plan when they first started? Yeah. So I always knew that I was going to do something on my own, you know, kind of entrepreneurship was, was baked into our DNA. Uh, my parents always said that I definitely would never um, have a job working somewhere because it just wasn't something we do. Um, so in high school, I started a web design company. Uh, but even before that, when I was 11, 12 years old, I started a, uh, a magic show company where, where me and my best friend went and we knocked on all the doors in the neighborhood and handed out flyers. And we did magic shows for, for birthday parties and daycares. So, you know, I started out real young doing, you know, various entrepreneurial activities. And I, I knew that that was going to be my path one way or another. Um, and so, yeah, we did the web design thing in high school and I got really into digital marketing and uh, Google ads in the early, you know, 2000s, late, you know, 99, 2000, 2001. I was an early adopter of uh, Google AdWords and uh, SEO. And uh, I was featured in two New York Times bestsellers right after high school on writing uh, online copy, you know, writing, writing marketing copy for, for websites. And, and yeah, I figured I was going to kind of go down that path of, uh, you know, having a, a web design, you know, digital marketing agency. And, and then I started working, you know, um, during high school and then after high school in the office, you know, answering the phone, processing orders, you know, just kind of your minimum wage, in fact, if we're being honest, you know, um, less than minimum wage, little, little child, child labor wage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was 16 and I remember I was getting four bucks an hour. I'm like, I don't think this is legal. Um, <laughs> but Hey, what entrepreneur's a kid is going to work for full-time wage. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. And I remember I said something about it and he's like, Oh, all right. Well, if you, if you want to be selfish, you know, you can stay home. But, uh, I was like, I just want, I just want, I just want minimum wage, you know, Jesus. Uh, and I wasn't even getting that. I wouldn't even get the checks. I, you know, I was, I was accruing debt of my four bucks an hour, but, uh, but yeah, so I started working here, you know, in the summers, um, during high school and then, then after school and whatnot. And then when I finished school, I still had the web design going, but I was, was here. And then, yeah, over time, I just got more and more involved and it became pretty clear that, that I was going to stick around and I, and I love doing it too. So, you know, I love the, uh, the idea of pool safety and we'll get into that in a second. And, and I love the, uh, the many hats the business allows me to wear. You know, there is a, you know, we have dealers throughout the country. So we have 90 dealers in the U.S. And we have dealers on 15 countries on five continents worldwide. So these dealers kind of act like franchises. There's a, a lifesaver of Atlanta and a lifesaver of New Jersey and a lifesaver of San Diego. And then do you, get, do you give um, uh, exclusive rights to like the geographic area? Does it work that way? Yeah, some have exclusive rights to an area. We tend not to, you know, step on their toes. Uh, and they have exclusive rights to, to buy our exclusive products and they get to use our name. So, you know, we do a lot in terms of training them and coaching them. A lot of them have never had businesses before. Uh, some do it as a side business, but the majority of them, this is their sole income. So, you know, part of my job is, you know, doing coaching and consulting and getting them up and running, helping them, you know, do sales and marketing and, you know, go through all the things involved in starting this new business and getting it going because it's in my best interest when they, when they sell, we sell. That's outstanding. Well, I want to pivot back and talk about kind of your parents getting into this business in the first place and then you taking it over. Um, And I I don't know if this ties in or not, but I know you have a a pretty 
you know, incredible story that you probably don't remember, but, um, you know, while you were born, I know you went through uh, a, a massive brain injury. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What happened and what life was like early on? Because you're a guy that, you know, when, when I read about that, I, I want to hear your story because I want to hear how you, I could never tell. And you seem like obviously someone who's super motivated, super positive, and that's not always the case. That's usually the case for people, you know, we meet in the media because um, they've overcome and want to tell a story. But, but I think there's a lot of people out in the world that have gone through their own physical or mental demons and, and, and it's sometimes harder to overcome it. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that birth story and then what life was like as a child um, and how, because I, I know the symptoms tie in similar to near drowning survivors. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born with, I was born with and still have, because you have it forever, uh, cerebral palsy. So cerebral palsy is a whole spectrum of disability. It can range from super mild to, to really severe. Uh, in my case, I use an electric wheelchair full time. You know, I need help with everything from, from bathing and dressing and showering to, you know, cutting up food. Um, so, so yeah, that's my deal. And, and like you said, when my parents started taking me to doctor's appointments and physical therapy and, and kind of all the things you do as a small child with, with a disability like this, the other people they were encountering were families who had had non-fatal drownings. So these are kids uh, usually between one and four years old, usually younger than that, who had gotten into the pool and survived. And the majority of them have really severe lifelong brain injuries. And the symptoms a lot of times mirror, you know, what I, what I have right now. Uh, so they saw that parallel right away and, and they thought, you know, there had to be, you know, some solution for this. So that, that kind of sparked their interest in wanting to, you know, get involved in pool safety. They were already doing childproofing, you know, the in-home childproofing where you kind of crawl around in your hands and knees and, uh, you know, tell people how to make their home safer with baby gates and outlet plugs and that kind of thing. Would, you, would your parents actually go to people's houses and crawl around on their hands and knees? Yeah, they did all that. That's outstanding. Yeah. And they, you know, they did this childproofing and then the water safety was just an extension of that. So, uh, so do yeah, you, this, this, this might be, I don't know, it might be outside your realm. Maybe it's for your parents to answer, but do you think, um, do you think that, that your parents' choice to get into like pool safe, if you're seeing those kids, do you think there was that kind of reflection of there's nothing we could do to help Eric as a baby? And that's gotta be a hard, I can't imagine as a parent walking through saying, here's my baby and I want them to be healthy and whole and there's nothing I can do to help this kid. And obviously, you know, you've adjusted and you've grown and I'm sure they're unbelievably proud of you. But do you think there's some, some version of that? I asked because, you know, I watched like my, my brother went through a traumatic brain injury, but at 20 and from a car accident and, you know, even never, never the same again. And to watch my parents kind of look at other kids and other people always asking that question of like, man, was there something we could have done? Do you think this was something about your parents being able to say, you know, we couldn't do something around just, you know, what happened at birth, but could we help other kids and help other parents to not have to face this ever? Absolutely. I think that was a major you know, inspiration for them. So, you know, that, that drive kind of gave them an additional uh, facet on this that I think a lot of other companies who make water safety products didn't have. And I think that's kind of reflected in, in the way we still, you know, run Lifesaver. You know, we, we donate pool fences to any family who's had a fatal or non-fatal drowning incident. Um, you know, we kind of make oh, these wow. things, a, we make education a real big priority. So, so yeah, I think that was a big part of it. And I think that culture is still continued on 
till today. Man, that's um, that's just outstanding to watch, you know, because because people get these ideas, you know, like man, and I get inspired about a lot of ideas. I think it's kind of the entrepreneur way, right? Over the years, there's a lot of shiny objects and 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 very good causes and interesting ideas. But to stick with something for as long as they have and you have, of course, now and taking it to the level you have, um, it's just you know incredible dedication. What what motivated you when you got into the business and you started taking things over and you said, I want to grow this? What was, would you feel like is your underlying motivation for desiring the growth? What was, and I'm sure there's a lot of factors, but what would you feel like is the one that your head went to the pillow at night thinking about? You know, I, I think about it in, in two halves. There's two very distinct separate answers, um, but they, they both work for me. I want them both. One, one is the drowning is the number one cause of accidental death for children between the ages of one and four years old. And no one knows that. Um, no one knows that drowning in mostly in backyard pools kills more toddlers than any other accident. Uh, in some cases combined, it kills more kids than car accidents. It kills more kids than any in-home injury. Um, drowning is the most fatal, uh, fatal thing for, for a young child in a home. And it doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Um, so I, and it's such an easy problem to solve because every almost every drowning is preventable. You know, if you institute multiple layers of protection, like a pool fence, which we make, uh, like pool alarms, like teaching your child to swim, like uh, CPR, you know, and so on, you know, you can bring the the chance of a drowning down much much lower. So so there was that the fact that we could realize actual change in an area that sorely needs it with enough education with great products we could take something that's the the number one cause of death for for these children and we could have an actual impact so that for me was huge uh and the other half is that like i said we set up these dealers who most of the time have never run a business before and, and we're changing their lives you know they're they're getting to install this product which is saving children so they get to feel good about what they're doing and you know, they're, they're making more money for their families than they ever had before. You know, they're, you know, they're putting their kids through college, they're paying their mortgages, they're, they're moving from, you know, apartments and trailers into, you know, homes they get to buy for themselves. Uh, their kids are living better lives. So, so that part of it, um, that we're enriching the lives of these, you know, hundreds of families throughout the country uh, motivates me almost just as much as the possibility of reducing the number of drownings each year. That's what an outstanding answer for that. And, uh, you know, two things that are just incredibly, um, a, a huge amount of give back. Now you have the largest Facebook pool safety for children, uh, group page, uh, page, right? That's yeah, a Facebook page. Yep. Yeah. And, and you can find that if, if you have children or if you have a pool or, you know, someone who has children or, you know, someone who has a pool, every single person with a pool, and I currently don't have one, but the last uh, two houses ago, we lived in California. We had a pool and a spa in the backyard, you know, down to the ground. And um, like, there was no fence, the, you know, just a regular old everything, right? A little sliding door. Uh, so direct everyone to facebook.com slash pool safety for children. Everybody with a pool or everybody with children who are going to hang out at a pool, go over there, check it out, get some tips, get some ideas. What you, you said, I just want to go back real quick. You said the, the majority of the small children uh, death from, from drowning is from backyard pools. 
would the others be made up from like beach or a public pool or some other areas that are incidental and and kind of what's the percentages like how much is is it 95 percent backyards is that the main main culprit or is it spread out a little more no the vast majority is backyard pools especially for kids in that one to four age range as kids get older then you get more into open water um you know lakes rivers oceans that kind of thing as kids get younger it's bathtubs um toilets buckets of water but in that sweet spot between one and four years old uh it's almost exclusively the backyard pool toilets and buckets of water yeah i mean a child can drown in as little as two inches of water so right i mean i hear about the like i hear about bathtub drowning more than i hear about um pool drowning yeah and and bathtub drowning does happen but pool drowning is far more prevalent and it can't you create this kind of catch-22 you know you never hear about someone dying of asthma right because it's so common so it never makes the news Uh, you know but you know tens of thousands of people maybe not tens of thousands, a lot of people each year, you know, die of of common illnesses like asthma, like heart disease that you never hear about because there's nothing newsworthy about that common event. And pool drowning is almost kind of in the same boat because it happens so often, because it's so common, it's not newsworthy and therefore people never hear about it. That's so sad. I'm almost desensitized where it's like a a kid drowned in the backyard pool. We're like, well, yeah, you know, that's that used to be news. We used to hear about that when pools got really popular, but now it's just kind of a thing that shouldn't it be gone by now. Right. So if I have a pool, can you give me, I'm sure you've talked about this a zillion times, but real quick, can you give us like maybe the top three tips? What should we, you know, aside from of course, installing the fence immediately, what are some things that we can do like today? And then what's the long-term plan? If I have a pool in my backyard, whether or not I have small children, I'm assuming that, you know, cause my son at the time I think was like, seven when we had the pool and you know it's like okay like that's super important he's seven years old we don't want him running around on his own but we can also talk to him but uh, people would come over and we'd have you know gatherings and there'd be small children in the house so whether or not you have a one to four age child or a child that can't swim uh, in your home if you have a pool what are the top three maybe tips that we should immediately look at doing shifting changing how can we make this safe how can we make sure this never happens to anyone again The big thing, like I said, is you want to look at it as not just one thing, not just two things. You want to implement multiple layers of protection. That's what all experts say is the best way to mitigate that chance of drowning. So right off the bat, you've got all the doors and windows that lead to the pool. You want alarms on all those doors and windows so you know when they're being accessed, which is good for your home security as well. And you want, you know, high locks that aren't reachable by children on those locks. I mean, on those doors and windows. After that, you know, the pool fence, the mesh pool fence that we've talked about. After that, alarms in the pool that go off if the pool is accessed. So these are motion sensor alarms. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, absolutely. They sit on the edge of the pool or sometimes they float in the pool. And if the water is disturbed enough uh, for long enough, then the alarm will go off. Uh, They're not foolproof. They've got some issues. So you want to use that as a backup layer. But, you know, it's a great additional layer of protection. Beyond that, you know, once the kid hits the water, starting at six months old, you can enroll your child in survival swim lessons where your six months old or eight months old or 10 months old baby can learn how to roll over and float and save herself from a drowning. And you can watch those videos on YouTube. They're amazing to see a nine month old roll over and float and save herself is incredible. And oh my gosh. And and that's of course the last layer, but it's, it's super important as well. Yeah. So, you know, giving your child the ability to save him or herself you know, so that works not just in a pool, but anywhere your child goes, your child now has the skills 
to save herself wherever she's at. And, and that's incredible. And you can get that if you go to ISR, or, I'm sorry, infantswim.com. The name of the company is ISR. Type in your zip code. You can find an instructor near you. Uh, those people are amazing. They do, they do magic on children that makes them able to save themselves. That's, that's great. That's great. So that's the website one more time for that? Uh, it's infantswim.com. Infantswim.com. Outstanding. And then the last, and the last one is CPR. You know, making sure that every adult in the house knows CPR so that if an accident happens, you know, you can do what's necessary to, you know, provide the best possible outcome. Thank you so much, Eric. So just a, a quick recap. So remember, if you have a pool, no matter what, it's like, don't do one of them, do as many as you can, but minimum get, you know, that, that those sliding patio doors, get that high lock that, that locks up way up at the top. So the kids can't get to it by themselves. That's number one, of course, get alarms in your house. And maybe that takes a little more time, but look, you can take a drill and drill through the top, you know, of your, uh, of your sliding door. Like you can affix your own lock if you need to immediately, but you know, they're going to sell locks, get one of those, um, get the alarm for your doors. And then, hey, if they make it through two of those things, look, maybe they're going to get recruited by the CIA. Who knows? They're, you know, they're breaking out. They're figuring it out. And then, of course, a pool alarm. Very, very cool. And then how great is this? Because even if you don't have a pool, they, these are two things that I really I want everyone to, to get into. And I did not take uh, our son Val through infant swim lessons. We, you know, we got him in the water and we swam with him and stuff. But he didn't really learn to swim, swim on his own until much later because we didn't get around to pools a lot besides, you know, when we live there. Um, but get your, your baby. If you have children, make sure they can start swimming at the age of six months old. So don't delay getting your kid learning to swim. You go to a party, you're hanging out with your friends. Maybe there's a pool at the house. I'll bet you everyone at some point has been somewhere where it's like, oh yeah, there's a pool. Oh, there's a birthday party. Oh, we're going to have a swim party. So even if you don't have a pool, it's still like our responsibility as parents to get out there and, and teach, right? Teach your kid to swim. And then CPR. Now I learned CPR back in the Boy Scouts and then continued on. Um, we probably need to get recertified at this point, but like goodness sakes, CPR is, is an absolute must. What's your recommendation for learning CPR? Sometimes it seems like a, a big task. It's a simple process. Uh, but Eric, what's your recommendation? Like, do I need to go to a one day CPR class? Do I go on YouTube? Um, cause you know, I want to take it seriously, but I also want to get as prepared as I can, as quickly as I can. What's your suggestion on um, parents getting CPR? Anything is better than nothing. And the more okay. you do, the better. That's so good. yeah, a one day class, great. Uh, if you want to get fully certified, that's awesome. If you want to go on YouTube and do it from there, you know, you still know more than you did before. You know, I know of a mom whose son drowned in a pool. They, they pulled him out and a guy who was there performed CPR based on what he'd seen people do on TV, like what he'd seen on Baywatch. And, you know, the paramedics came and that kid ended up being fine. And they attributed it to that guy's CPR. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to be certified. Uh, Laura Metro has a, a, a foundation called CPR Party, where it's kind of like the Tupperware parties of back in the day. But instead of, uh, instead of Tupperware, they're teaching CPR and nobody gets certified. There's no, you know, official, um, you know, certificate you get at the end. But you've got enough information that if something happens, you're, you're at least somewhat capable. So, you know, whatever you can learn. And everyone knows how to do it. Yeah, yeah. even, you know, um, when we used to be able to still fly back in the day, yeah. <laughs> I, I would, uh, every time I fly into Orange County in California, John Wayne Airport, they have now like these CPR uh, stations. Really cool. And then they play Staying Alive by the Bee Gees so you can get the beat yep. and practice. And what was interesting to me, Eric, is, is I, I, again, I learned CPR years and years ago, like as a kid, 
but hadn't, you know, what I've never used it in real life. It was just, oh yeah, that's a thing that I kind of know how to do. But the interesting thing about these, these dummies and those kits in the airport, and they're in a lot of airports now, was the pressure. It was the timing and the pressure for when you're doing the, the heart pushes, right? When you're, you're pushed on the chest. Like at first I'm going, oh, they're going, you're way too light. And then, oh, you're way too heavy. So just to learn that, unbelievably useful and valuable. Um, Eric, I want to just talk a little bit about running in our, as we kind of wind down here. I want to jump back to the business side of things. Running a business from a power wheelchair. Let's just talk about that. How do you do it? What day-to-day, what impacts you? Um, does anything impact you? Is it, do people see you the same as everyone else? Do you have any particular challenges? What have you had to overcome um, that was really challenging as a business owner from um, the, the adaptive perspective? It's my opinion that being a business owner, entrepreneur, CEO, whatever title you want to use, is the best occupation for somebody with some kind of physical mobility disability. Uh, somebody in a wheelchair, somebody with cerebral palsy, someone paraplegic. You know, if you've got mobility impairments that require your life to be custom tailored in a specific way, there's no better job to have than one where you get to pick everything about what you do, where you get to custom tailor your environment, uh, where you get to structure your schedule. Um, you know, I think a lot of people shy away from starting businesses with disabilities because it seems like a massive undertaking for anybody, but especially someone, you know, with a certain set of challenges. But I think it's the opposite. I think entrepreneurship should be um, highly recommended to anybody with a disability because, you know, it's the only job in the world where you get to pick everything you do and, and how that happens. So for me, um, you know, I, you know, fortunate enough, I have, you know, an employee that, you know, drives me to work cause I don't drive. Um, I've got a forklift ramp that we use to, uh, you know, get the forklift in and out of the warehouse that I drive my wheelchair up. Um, the office is all accessible. I've got my, you know, my setup here. Um, so that everything is accessible to me. I've got people around me that I'm, that I work with who, who know the deal. And uh, most of them I've been friends with for a long time as well, because that's another, you know, big thing of mine is to hire friends and family. So, you know, I've got a lot of help for, for random personal things that I might need. And I've been able to set all that up because, you know, I'm, I'm in an occupation where I get to pick. And I, I think if we had, you know, a lot more people with disabilities pursuing entrepreneurial paths, we'd see a, a much larger portion of them in the workforce. Very, very cool. And I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, you know, one, one disability, is, it's not an overall disability. It's not an overall adaptive nature. You don't have to adapt to everything that you do. It's in context. And again, I, I watched my brother do this from a wheelchair and as a triplegic, um, that some things, it was like, hey, I just do what I do, right? He makes coffee every morning just fine. He makes it with one hand, so what? And some things were really challenging, like tying shoes. He had to figure that out and it took him like four minutes. But other things, it was just the same as anyone else. So to understand that if you have something you need to adapt to in life because you've, you've gone through something or you approach things differently, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, et cetera, um, there's always a context, always a place in life that you can do things just the same. And I, and I love, I mean, how, how unbelievably cool is this that I saw this in your bio that, you know, going through um, the brain injury at birth impacted your nervous system, obviously, and impacted um, your body, but it didn't impact your mind. And you're obviously sharp as a tack or a whip or whatever they say, like <laughs> super smart dude, you're on it, you're with it. So there's so many contexts, probably 99% of the entrepreneurship that 
you know, you just rock and roll and do. Um, I know you're also speaking a lot now and you're getting out and, and you know, you, you chair different organizations, you're um, getting out into that world so much more. And how cool is that? Because I think, you know, one of the things I do a lot is I help speakers get booked to speak. And with a story like yours, you know, how much easier actually is it? And, and I don't say that this is a good thing, obviously, you know, coming from the wheelchair, but I do think that one of the good that comes out of a tough situation is you have a story that a lot of us don't have. And do you enjoy sharing your story? Do you like doing that? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you say it's not a good thing, but I'll tell you, I'll use whatever I have in my arsenal to, to get a, uh, that's right. That's to right. Get the message out. Right. And, and I don't mind at all. You know, I've, I've said before, thank God I don't have big boobs cause I'd use those too. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use whatever I got. Look, so, uh, you, you have a message worth sharing and it's like, look, whatever it takes to get people to hear this message, I'm going to use it. And amen to that, man. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I love sharing the story. Um, I love talking about it and you know, I, I'm happy that I get to do it as much as I do. Very cool. Well, Eric, um, I know you have, uh, you got a lot of course to do for the day. So I'll let you go into a second here, but you have a free pool safety guide. And this is something that every single parent and every single pool owner, or even if you're both, everybody should grab this. Um, can you tell us quickly about what's in the safety guide and then where to grab it? Yeah. So this pool safety guide is comprehensive. If you want to know almost all the things that a pool safety expert, the, the people you hear on podcasts, the, you know, the drowning expert being interviewed on the media, you know, pretty much everything they know is in this guide. It is extensive, but it's still easy enough to learn. So if you want to know how to protect your pool, how to keep your kids safer, you know, the whole nine, if you go to poolfence.com, click the pool safety button. It's, it's right there. It's super easy. Um, you'll get this extensive. It's a whole ebook. Um, there's a PDF downloadable version. There's an online version. Um, you'll know pretty much everything that all the pool safety experts you see online talk about. Very cool. So head over to poolfence.com and get that. And then go join the Facebook uh, page or like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash pool safety for children. And then Instagram is lifesaver pool fence. Uh, and of course, you know, check out poolfence.com and find out how you can get a fence for your home, for your pool to make sure that not just your children, but every child that would ever visit will be safe for eternity. This is very cool. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you sharing your story with us and just being so uh, open. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Um, wow. You know, I, and we get into these entrepreneur stories so often, and this is an amazing entrepreneur story, but also I really, I'm really grateful to bring the message that, you know, maybe we save a life. Who knows? Maybe we save more than one. Maybe one, one of you, you listen to this and you decide to go to poolfence.com. You decide to make you know, a choice to do this. By the way, I should mention that we're not sponsored by Pool Fence. We're not sponsored by Eric in, in any way. I heard about a story and, and the message and the need to get this out there. And I just want everyone to know it. So go to poolfence.com, follow them on Facebook at Pool Safety for Children and make a good choice to, uh, to save lives. I'm Matt Browning. Follow me on social media. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. I just put up some, uh, some really cool videos on Instagram. Uh, our last segment on Fox, if you haven't seen that already. Really, really fun. Uh, me and my wife Lola and my son Val are in there um, talking about how to, what to do with your kids when you're stuck at home, which of course was happening all earlier this year. Even my wiener dog Hudson's in there. So find that at Instagram.com slash Matt Browning. And I'll see you next week with other driven entrepreneurs. Stay busy, stay focused, stay vision oriented, and most importantly, stay driven. How about that one? All right, cool. Bye.